welcome into the Roto Lounge. It's your boy Brad Starks. Here we are, episode three. We're going to talk about the third worst team in the NFL last season, the Arizona Cardinals. But before we get into Arizona and their potential fantasy football season, let's go ahead and get something to drink. I'm going to go get some bourbon. You get whatever you prefer to sip on, and I'll meet you back here. Right. Well, what I've decided to drink tonight is this Maker's Mark limited release from 2019. It's the RC6. Not sure if you're familiar with the RC6, but this was, you, you probably know Maker's Mark has these r- limited releases like this year is the BEP, the Barrel Entry Proof, which is the last line. Uh, before that, it was the Rotating the Barrel. I believe and then before that it was FAE uh, and then before that I believe was the RC6 2019 and this was toasted again with 10 virgin toasted American oak staves uh, I believe it's pretty much close to their 46 the makers 46 uh, this comes in at 108.2 proof so I'm going to give it a try for you tonight pop it see what we got here now I had to try to find one of these on the secondary I wasn't able to get these when they first debuted I'm a big makers fan Uh, if you listen to some of my podcasts I'm a big fan of the makers 101 you can get that in any liquor store pretty much for like $38 to me that is a go-to it reminds me of Christmas cookies and and uh, baking spices and it goes great in eggnog if you if you like to spike your eggnog. So Makers is, is a definitely one for me when it gets uh, colder. Uh, but I found myself getting a bottle of this and then I cracked it open. And since I'm just grabbing stuff off the shelf for these podcasts, I figured I'd go with this one here. So let's go for the nose. Your traditional Makers Mark nose. This is a weeded bourbon, so it is going to come off sweeter. I have a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of vanilla. Very good. It reminds me of dessert-like. Really a good nose. Really a good nose. Let's go in on the on the palate. So this is one when I first had it. It kind of kind of took me aback. This is a very oaky, wood-forward, charred profile from Maker's Mark and that's probably the addition of those uh, virgin toasted American oak staves. It really imparts a lot of barrel flavoring. Uh, so I get that like right off the bat and, and that also causes it to dry a little bit. And you may be hear people talk about tannics. That's when you can kind of taste the wood, the barrel. And some people enjoy that and I definitely enjoy that. Uh, but in a Makers, you're not used to that. Makers isn't doesn't bring that profile of of that char oak barrel. And, and maybe the Makers 46 does. I've never had that one before. <clears throat> but this is very oaky, very drying on the palate for me. It's not as sweet as you would hope for. Um, but, you know, you get some of your traditional Makers flavor profile i don't necessarily get the the cookie holiday 
profile that I normally get from makers, uh, but you still get the the vanilla, you still get caramel, maybe it has a little toffee in it, maybe some dried raisins a little bit, um, some, some dried fruits a little bit. You can pull out something in there that, that tastes almost fruity. All in all, it's, it's pretty decent. Um, these retailed at 60 when they came out. I have noticed the more that the bottles opened up and the more I drink on it, usually glass two uh, is better than glass one. And also, uh, I, I heard that if you add water to it, it really opens it up, but I don't add too much water to mine. That 108 proof is really good for me. Uh, you know, Weller 107, that 107 proof, weeded bourbon is really uh, a sweet spot for me. Uh, so this kind of hits the sweet spot. It's just it's just very oaky compared to normal Maker's Mark. It's not my favorite, uh, but I don't I do think it's actually pretty good. And it got one of the highest reviews um, back back when it first released. Uh, this was very uh, a rare, unique bourbon when it was released. And I think since then the FAE01 has scored higher. And then the new BEP that they released this year in 23, I believe, is the highest scoring makers release to date based on the website that i go to distiller.com uh, you'll see you know community reviews as well as the website reviews but if you can get your hands on the bep i, I heard that's good uh, if you like makers it's it's this one's a good release rc6 but you know you you have to really like makers some people don't like makers mark i myself do i like the weeded the sweeter versions and especially that that cookie baking spice profile i love it for the winter and i love it for my uh milk punches or my spiked eggnogs i think it's a great whiskey for that all right enough of that let me get one more sip and then we'll get right into the arizona cardinals mm. all right so the arizona cardinals they fired cliff kingsbury when he came in, we thought we were going to have a high-flying, well-scoring fantasy football team. And for the most part, they had that occasionally. But really, it seemed like all the receivers that Cliff was drafting, they, they never panned out. Christian Kirk, someone that I, I hyped from the day he was drafted as a surefire hit, just could not do it in Arizona. Last year, he did very well for Jacksonville when he finally was the focal point of the offense. He did very good. Actually, Christian Kirk last year finished as wide receiver 12, according to NFL.com Fantasy. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't bring that out of him. Andy Isabella, another wide receiver that I thought was going to be pretty decent, just couldn't put it together. He drafted Keyshawn Johnson. They traded for DeAndre Hopkins. They traded for Marquise Brown. Just this offensive guru that Cliff Kingsbury was supposed to be. They just won enough games so where they weren't at the bottom. But now that he's gone and now that Kyler's injured, I think Arizona has the chance to be probably the worst team in the NFL in 2023. Time will tell uh, in that regard. So the Arizona Cardinals hired Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator from Philadelphia. They also hired a new general manager. New offensive coordinators, new defensive coordinators. So they have a whole new staff. So we're going to look at them and see what we think that they're going to give us next year. Now, it starts at the quarterback position. Kyler Murray is the reason this team has stayed above water for so long. 
there is a lot of rumblings around Kyler that he doesn't take NFL seriously. He doesn't study. He doesn't prepare. And uh, Steve Kime, the GM that was just fired, had an interview. And basically he said that it is true. There is room for Kyler to improve in his preparation, in his film watching, in his studying without really throwing him under the bus. He said, yes, it is true. There is room for him to improve. So this kind of puts you at a dilemma if you own Kyler. Early on in his career, I tried to draft Kyler Murray. I thought he was going to be a really good quarterback. I thought he was just super talented. And adding him to Cliff Kingsbury, I thought it was going to be the greatest show on turf. You know, points, fantasy points, crazy. You know, his rushing ability, et cetera, et cetera. However, if he's not going to prepare for the NFL, he's never going to hit his ceiling. Uh, and I found myself trying to trade him off for whatever value I can get without losing value. Because when you're putting together a fantasy team, you really want to have a team of guys that love football. You don't really want to have the distractions. Now, obviously, you do want to win. And if Kyler's producing those points, yes, you want to have Kyler on your team. But if you know going in that teams question you know, Kyler's approach, his preparation, your talent is only going to take you so far. So there could be opportunities for you to move Kyler for a piece plus an additional piece or several pieces that as a whole are greater than what Kyler will provide for you as, as the quarterback. Uh, so that, that's a dilemma that you have to kind of look at and say, all right, do I want to roster Kyler Murray or do I want to just try to move him and get away from the situation? There were some on the outside that didn't think Kyler was going to prepare enough to even return from this injury that he sustained last year, the ACL. But there are reports saying that he is on schedule and he will be ready. Uh, but they're not expecting him to the end of this year, September. Uh, so we really can't expect him to return this year for Arizona. So if you can get something, maybe you want to move him this year to help you win. Uh, but you need to have a backup plan as far as quarterback. I think Arizona is in the position where they just need to put together a team of misfits and not intentionally tank, but not not win because you just don't have the talent to win. Their defense is terrible. We'll talk about the other positions. They potentially, they have Houston's number one pick. If they're the worst team in the league, they potentially have the chance to be pick one and two next year, which could be a great defensive player, offensive lineman, Marvin Harrison Jr., another wide receiver. They can put themselves in good situation, and Jonathan Gannon, new GM, can, can reap the rewards of being a bad franchise this season. If Kyler Murray doesn't return this year, and again, we'll know more as it goes on. If it doesn't look like he's hitting his milestones, that's going to be a red flag for us. But if you do have him, keep your eye on that situation. But I don't even know how much he's going to play this year. That time he's supposed to be back could be pushed off another month, another month. And then returning from that ACL is just de very difficult to, to return to, to your prior performances until you really have time to kind of rest and, and develop and go through all those processes again so i probably wouldn't expect as much this year as i might next year but again what does that team look like with kyler do they want to continue with him i know they did sign him to a big contract but do they try to you know move him to another team with the new coaching staff and new general manager that is undetermined but who's going to be under center for the cardinals this year everything right now is point, pointing to colt mccoy you know i had colt, colt mccoy in a super flex league and i cut him you know, he is going to be a starting quarterback, but even the games he started, 
he was getting 12 points, 17 points. I mean, nothing exciting. I don't know. He's 30 plus years old. They also brought in a draft pick, uh, Clayton Toon, who by all accounts could start and could play for Arizona. I just don't know what you're going to get out of that position in fantasy football. I mean, if you absolutely need a second quarterback, you can look for the Arizona quarterback, but you might be better off putting a skill position player, running back, wide receiver, in that position that's going to outscore Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon on a weekly basis. So I personally think that the Cardinals should go out and get Carson Wentz to be their starting quarterback. At least they're going to put a good product on the field. They're probably still going to be bad because they don't really have anything else. However, they haven't done that yet. So right now they're going to roll with Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon. I think David Blah, who Blah, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He he was at Detroit last year. He's also on the roster. Again, they can put these guys out there to start, but that doesn't mean they're going to be any good. It doesn't mean they're going to perform and produce fantasy points. It just means that's what they're putting on the field. And again, it'll set them up for the first pick in the NFL draft next year or second or third. And again, what are they going to do? Because there's two really good quarterbacks that are coming out next year. They could trade down again and get another King's Ransom and build around Kyler. Or they could try to draft the best available player, maybe move Kyler. So the quarterback position is kind of iffy. I would I would fade the entire position. Now, before we move on from the quarterback position, I do want to kind of mention something that I pulled up in an article. The new offensive coordinator in Arizona is a guy by the name of Drew Petzing. And what he's going to try to implement is what's called Marty Ball, which if those that don't know Marty Schottenheimer, Hall of Fame coach, great coach, played for the or coached the Chiefs, coached the Chargers. Those were two of his better teams. And he had an offense that was pretty much called Marty Ball. They they coined it Marty Ball after him. He also did coach at Cleveland. But they basically say it's it's the art of winning the games, running the football, and then just throwing short passes when necessary. Kind of similar to what Kevin Stefanski is doing in Cleveland right now. And when you look back at some of Marty Schottenheimer's teams, a lot of his number one receivers were like 500 yards, 600 yards. There was no real studs. There was occasionally in his history, he had some thousand yard receivers. He did have Tony Gonzalez for a year. I believe he had Antonio Gates. So he did lean on his talent, but his his scheme and his game plan was based around running the football and throwing short passes. So you, you weren't looking to spread the ball down the field deep. Um, and I'm not saying that the new offensive coordinator is going to be as good as Marty Schottenheimer because Schottenheimer is a Hall of Fame coach. But I am saying that they're going to try this approach uh, and it could elevate the tight end. It could elevate the running back uh, and it could downgrade some of our receivers. So we'll kind of look into that. So let's let's go ahead and move on to the running back, and that's James Conner. And I think with this style of offense, James Conner is probably a running back that we want to target in our fantasy drafts. He is turning 28 years old. He is getting older. However, he is a player that has shown in the past when becoming the bell cow can put up a lot of fantasy points. Now, also, he does have a lot of injuries based on using him quite a bit 
but his backup is Keontae Ingram, who I don't think really presents a lot of fantasy football value. If he does see the field, it's going to give him the opportunity to produce in fantasy, but I just don't think he's one of those players that, that we're like, oh, he's, if he sees the field, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be good. No, I think he's just a jag. But I think James Conner potentially could be a running back that we want to target. And last year, he was running back number 18. He had 782 yards on the ground with seven touchdowns. He had 46 receptions for 300 yards. Finished as running back 18. And if we want to look at fantasy pros... ADP this year James Conner is going at running back 25 okay that's that's behind guys like Cam Akers DeAndre Swift Damian Pierce Alexander Madison Miles Sanders JK Dobbins Aaron Jones Kenneth Walker Joe Mixon Najee Harris now James Conner isn't young he's not he's not a, a, a young running back he's not an exciting name but the type of offense that they're gonna try to run they're, they're already missing a quarterback. They're going to try to emphasize the run anyways. The receivers are so-so. So I think James Conner could definitely be a target of ours when you look at he's going as an RB3 in 12-man leagues at running back 25. Uh, 86 overall. So you're talking about maybe 7th, 8th rounds to get James Conner. I think that would be a nice addition to your team. Because I think he could be a bell cow for this offense if he can stay healthy. Now, he is only signed for this year. So, the Cardinals could technically try to run him into the ground. But also, he could use his opportunity to say, I'm trying to get another contract. So, if I do have injuries, I'll try to play through my injuries and really produce the best season that he can produce. And I think that's another reason why we might want to look at him if he does fall to the 6th, 7th, 8th round of fantasy drafts. Could be a guy that we need to target. The backup, Keontae Ingram, right now is going as running back 72. That's behind James Robinson at New England, Israel Abanacanda in New York, Michael Carter in New York, Joshua Kelly in L.A., Dwayne McBride in Minnesota, Cordero Patterson in Atlanta. Now, while I don't think Keontae Ingram is going to be a stud by any means i think we need to move him up our rankings based on the fact that james connor has proven that he's had injuries in the past and it might not be able to make an entire season healthy so keontae ingram would be on my list of late round flyers uh, and i'd probably take him over some guys that might like, I'd probably take him over James Robinson in New England. I mean, they have Stevenson. They have Kevin Harris. They have Pierre Strong. They have so many running backs there. Arizona has very few running backs. And if you look at the depth chart, just the depth chart of the Arizona Cardinals, the running backs are James Conner, Keontae Ingram. Number three is Corey Clement. Number four is Tyson Williams. And number five is Amari Demarcado. Never even heard of that guy. I mean, I think it pretty much starts and ends at James Conner and ends at Keontae Ingram. I, I can't imagine Corey Clement's going to be anything special. But if I was going to hitch my wagon to one of these running backs, it would be James Conner. I wouldn't specifically target Keontae Ingram, but if he happens to fall late in drafts and we need somebody, he's somebody that we want to look at. All right, looking at the wide receivers, starting is Marquise Brown. And it looks like also Rondale Moore. Probably in the slots going to be Greg Dortch. Backups, you're looking at draft pick this year, Michael Wilson, Andre Bacalea, never heard of him, Zach Pascal, 
Auden Tate, Javon Wims, Brian Cobbs. I mean, some of these guys I've never even heard of. Really, all we're worried about is Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore. Greg Dortch is probably going to have some games where he has a lot of receptions because, again, they're targeting the short passing game. Now, Marquise Brown last year, before all the injuries, was like a top 10 wide receiver. He was an absolute stud with Kyler healthy, but I don't think they're going to have that type of offense again with, with Cliff gone. Cliff was more of a, you know, spread them out, three wide receivers, four wide receivers, spread them out, throw the ball. I don't think they're going to be that this year. I mean, they've already said they're not going to be that this year. So I think Marquise Brown is an ideal player that's going to, you know, digress this year. You add in the new offense, you add in lack of quarterback. I think Marquise Brown's probably going overdrafted right now. And we can look up his ADP on Fantasy Pros. And I would guess it's probably higher than, than we would hope. He's going as wide receiver 30 and 59th player overall. That's after Michael Pittman, after Chris Godwin, after DJ Moore, which is insane. DJ Moore should be way higher than 27. Marquise Brown's going ahead of Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Mike Evans, Traylon Burks. He's probably right in that zone where you are looking at some players that, that might not hit. Um, but I'd probably rather have, you know, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans, Trey Lumbert. Probably some of these guys that I just think are going to have better offenses. But, I mean, you can't knock Marquise Brown for being wide receiver 30. That, that actually isn't a bad price. Uh, but he's way ahead of George Pickens at wide receiver 39. I'd much rather have George Pickens at wide receiver 39. Rashad Bateman at 44. would rather have Bateman there. Let's find out where Rondell Moore is being drafted. Wide receiver 58. Uh, before Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney, Nico Collins, Romeo Dubs, Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen. Now, I have never been a big fan of Rondell Moore. But I think this position right here is probably a good position to take a shot on him in year three. Again, in this offense where they're going to take a bunch of short passes, run the football... This sets up perfectly for Rondell Moore to quickly get open, get a short pass, try to get some yards after receptions. I think you might see Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore trying to do that, trying to use their yak ability and, and get quick receptions and try to make something happen. So I probably would, would not mind taking a shot at Rondell Moore this late in drafts. Overall, 128, wide receiver 58. I mean, you know, Michael Gallup's coming off of injury, Darnell Mooney has competition there in Chicago now. Nico Collins, we talked about him in episode one. I mean, at this point in time, you're looking at players that, that have that high ceiling upside, uh, but you know already they might have a low floor, and that's exactly what Rondell Moore is. He's got a low floor, but if things go right in this offense, he could have a great season, and we don't really know what the offense is going to look like. So this gives us an opportunity to take advantage of that, maybe take Rondell Moore late, stack him up put him on the, the bench and then if he does have a good role in this offense he could really pay dividends could be a good uh, best ball target but we're not looking at, at the quarterbacks or really anybody else i don't know if you want to take that high pick on marquise brown he's going at overall uh, player 59 if you look at running backs overall 59 you're looking at jk dobbins miles sanders alexander madison damian pierce I'd probably be rather taking those running backs in that area than Hollywood Brown. 
Also, if you look at any tight ends that are going at 59 overall, George Kittle's at 58, Kyle Pitts is at 69, Dallas Scottish at 72. So I think when you're in that area of your draft, you're not going to be looking at Hollywood Brown as a pick. You're going to be either looking at a tight end or a running back. And if you look at quarterbacks, 59 is around Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson is 73. So I don't see any circumstance where I'd rather take Hollywood Brown that early than when you look at Rondell Moore at 152 overall. You look at what running backs are 152 overall. You got Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Roshan Johnson. I mean, those are coin flips themselves. <clears throat> and then when you look at tight ends at like 152 overall, you're looking at Irv Smith Jr., Dawson Knox, Jawan Johnson. So that's probably an ideal spot you want to maybe look at Rondell Moore as a dart throw this year. All right. I'm not really excited about Michael Wilson, Greg Dortch. Let's look at where Greg Dortch is being drafted. But again, he's he's nothing that's exciting. He's, he, I mean, it just you don't want to leave a draft with Greg Dortch. I mean, he he feels like he's a free agent pickup. Wide receiver, 99, 277 overall. He's right above Justin Ross. He's right below Kayshawn Boutte. I think that's an easy pick for me. I'd rather have Boutte or Justin Ross in either of those scenarios because they both have really high ceilings. They have like top wide receiver on their team ceilings. I don't think Greg Dorch has that, you know, fighting with Hollywood and uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, so I think in that regard, I'd definitely rather have Kayshawn or Justin Ross than Greg Dorch. All right, we're going to the tight ends now. And tight end is a position that's probably going to be targeted heavily with the lack of Kyler Murray, the new type of offensive scheme. However, Zach Ertz is coming off an ACL injury. So he is supposed to be ready for the season. However, he's over 30 years old. It could take him time to recover. You want to look at Trey McBride. Now, I think Trey McBride is probably an up-and-coming tight end in this league. But we're going to have to see it on the field first. He should get some opportunities this year. If you look at last year's performances based on the tight ends, Zach Ertz was doing very well until he got injured. Uh, and I think he's going to come back and probably, if he comes back healthy, he's going to be a big factor of that offense. He finished as a tight end 19 last year. He had 406 yards off 47 receptions and four touchdowns. Uh, but he didn't play every game. He didn't play every game. He got injured. Should be back this year. But if he's not, Trey McBride is the tight end to have. He finished last year as tight end 39, 29 receptions, 265 yards, and a touchdown. Keep your eye on practice and see what the tight end room is looking like because this could be an opportunity for us uh, to have a big part of the offense if we're just targeting the tight end. And if we look at ADPs, right now Zach Ertz is going as tight end 25 and Trey McBride is going as tight end 27. So already the community kind of sees that McBride and Ertz are on the same wavelength right now. If Ertz doesn't return to full health, McBride is going to be the guy. At those positions, I mean, if you're going to take a flyer on somebody, I'd probably go ahead and take the flyer on Zach Ertz, hoping he comes back uh, from injury and is the, the number one guy this year. And Trey McBride takes another year to develop. But if Trey McBride falls in your drafts, right now he's going above Noah Fant, Tyler Conklin, Isaiah Likely, Luke Musgrave, Jake Ferguson, Taysom Hill. 
those are iffy players. I mean, I probably like Isaiah Likely just in case Mark Andrew goes down. I think he he has the potential to have a really high ceiling this year if Mark Andrews goes down, uh, which we don't hope for that. But if it does go down, we can try to prepare or or plan in case something were to happen. Uh, McBride, I think he's basically an, an Ertz clone. Uh, however, Ertz is a seasoned NFL veteran, and and he knows how to get open and, and you know how to get the football and advance the the football and move the chain. So. I do like Zach Ertz, number one, if he does come back healthy. Trey McBride is a close second, just like the ADP is showing us right now, 25 and 27. But when we're drafting a tight end this year, we want to focus on more of someone that's going to be a bigger part of their offense uh, rather than just throw dart throws at this Arizona team because we don't really know what's going to happen. In Dynasty, I would like to have McBride. As far as wide receivers, there's not. I, I'm not a big fan of having Hollywood or Rondell Moore or Greg Dortch or Michael Wilson in Dynasty. I think there's much better options. Like I said earlier, if I had Kyler, I'd be trying to move him, trying to get a young quarterback or pieces that are going to help me if I already have some quarterbacks. One of my Superflex leagues, I have Trevor Lawrence, and I took Anthony Richardson this year in the draft. I think I had the second overall pick. Uh, and now Kyler is my third quarterback, so I'm trying to move Kyler and, and add some pieces to build my team up. If you want to take that approach, I don't think it's a bad approach to have just because we really don't know what Kyler is going to look like when he returns from injury. And is he going to prepare? Is he going to be ready? How that's going to look? So anyways, this has been the Arizona Cardinals. I hope you got some value out of it. I think they're going to be a bad team. I think the defense is terrible. The offensive line isn't that good. I'd probably, if anybody, I'm going to target James Conner, just hoping they make him the bell cow and just, just ride him into the ground, and hopefully he tries to fight through injury. I think he could be a really good value at running back 25. Maybe Rondell Moore late, late, late in drafts. Those two players I'd probably be interested in adding this year in redraft uh, or seasonal leagues, uh, and then maybe best ball as well, those two players. But outside of those guys, I think Arizona's going to be a, just a train wreck. They're probably not going to put up a lot of points. They're probably not going to have a lot of good players that put up a lot of stats. I think Marquise Brown could be a bust of the year, so we're going to avoid him as well and really just focus on those two guys. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Tomorrow or whenever the next episode releases, it's going to be the Colts, the fourth worst team in the NFL. They got some exciting players. Can't wait to talk about those players and how that stacks up in Dynasty and Redraft. Until then, enjoy your drink. I'm going to finish this Maker's Mark RC6 limited edition wood finishing series. Pretty good. If you uh, have a chance to get your hands on it, 60 bucks. Not bad if you like Maker's Mark. Um, not the greatest thing, but if you get that, if you see that BEP, that uh, barrel entry proof, I think that's 110 proof. One of the highest proof that Maker's has ever put out. So if you like high proof bourbons, keep your eye on that one. Until next time, this has been your boy Brad Starks. Cheers.